Mark chapter 11. It's Palm Sunday. And so I've titled this message, Mission. Hosanna. Can you say Hosanna? Hosanna. Mission. Hosanna. And so Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into a village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord hath need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt at, the, at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing? Untying the colt. And, and they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and overspread uh, leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before, those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna. Can you say Hosanna? Hosanna. In the highest. Now, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. God, as we open our lives to the word this morning, in the time that we have, would you fill us, God, with who you are? Plant the seed of the word of God in our lives. God, let it be planted in fertile ground. Let it grow forth and produce the fruit you would have it to in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Now, there, there's a village, an ancient Spanish village, um, that had learned that a, a king was coming to visit the village. And in, it was a unique thing, not because the king was coming, but it was a unique thing that in 1,000 years, no king had come and visited this village. And so the villagers, you can imagine, were so excited that the king was coming because it had been 1,000 years since a king had come and visited. And they thought, well, we've got to throw some kind of big celebration. What, we, what can we do? Does everyone agree that, you know, it's 1,000 years since a king's been here, we should probably have a special day? And so everybody said, yes, we're going to have this special day. They agreed to it. But the problem was the village was poor. They didn't have a lot of resources. And so someone came up with an idea. They said, many of us here in the village make our own wine. And I have this idea. Why don't we all bring our best glass of wine and pour it into a large vat? And then when the king comes... He can take a cup and he can get out of that vat a cup of wine and he'll be able to taste the best, the very best of who we are. And so everybody thought this was great and it was a great idea. And so they set up a vat and thousands of people in the village came and, and the day before the king was coming and they filled the vat from bottom to top, cup by cup, filled it. And so the next day the king comes. And he comes to the village, and they usher him to the village square. And there is this giant vat, and they tell the king, we're so excited. No king's come to see us in a thousand years, and we want to honor you with the, the, the only thing we can honor you with, and that is a cup of our best wine. And so we're gonna give, they gave him a silver cup, and they said, go over and pour yourself a glass of wine. And so the king went over, took his silver cup, and he drew some wine. Now, you've got to remember, this wine was supposed to represent the best the villagers had. Placed his cup under the spigot, turned the handle, filled his glass, and then he drank the wine. 
The only problem was it wasn't wine at all. It was a clear glass of water only. You see, every villager reasoned, I'll hold my best wine and I'll substitute it for water. And every villager thought, what with so many cups of wine in the vat, the king will never notice the difference. The problem was, everyone thought the same thought. And the king was greatly dishonored. Now it's Palm Sunday. And I tell that story in order to get us to realize what this Sunday's all about because most of the time we can live or do, we can forget or maybe not even pay attention to the fact that this is a Sunday that represents when Jesus Christ made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's very important Sunday. It is so important because Palm Sunday is all about when the king was greatly honored. Think about it. Because the people gave the very best they had this day. The best they had, it wasn't gold. The best they had, it, it wasn't fame. The best they had wasn't all the luxury of the city. They came and they gave the very best they had, and it was simply their praise. Jesus comes riding into town, and all he can hear is, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The gift of praise is given to Jesus the day that is the beginning of the end of his earthly life. The last week he's alive. This gift was given. This was a week that would take him from the highest praise to arrest. A mockery of a trial. To a scourging. Beat beyond recognition to carrying his own cross up a hill, to Friday dying on that cross, and Friday night being put in a tomb, to laying in that tomb all night Friday night, all day Saturday, all night Saturday night, to Sunday morning. Hello, somebody. I said, Sunday's coming. Jesus is on a mission. Palm Sunday is all about a mission, church. And Jesus' mission was Hosanna. His mission was Hosanna. Jesus was on a mission because the word literally translates to save. Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day with a mission in mind. Think about it for just a moment. It's Passover. The greatest of all of Jewish holidays. It was the one where they, they come together and they celebrate. They, they remembered God's mighty work of freeing the Jews from e Egyptian slavery and setting them free in the days of Moses. Jesus, already having traveled and taught and performed miracles over the last past three years, was making what would turn out to be his last trip into the Holy Land. He knew what would happen there. I want you to remember this. It wasn't like Jesus said, oh, we've got to go, and maybe everything will turn out all right. It wasn't like Jesus said, I I've got this plan, but if that plan doesn't work, then plan B, 
If plan B doesn't work, then plan C. No, Jesus rides into Jerusalem that day knowing exactly what would happen. Understanding the whole reason he was going. The whole reason he was riding into the city was to die for mankind. The whole reason he was there on Palm Sunday making a triumphal entry was not just about entering a city as a king, but it was about entering our lives as the king of kings. So he knew that he'd be treated bad. He knew that he would die, but he had a mission. Just a few days earlier, he had made this statement. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost in Luke chapter 19. Jesus was focused on the mission. See, the amazing thing about Hosanna is the word, it's, it's not one of those common words. It's not one of those words that was used maybe in everyday conversation. It was a word that was relegating to the saving power of God. Hosanna. 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 It means to save. Jesus is riding in. He's on a mule, a donkey. And the crowd is shouting, Hosanna. 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 The crowd is shouting, Hosanna. And it's wailing up. And it's beginning to revive through the streets. So much so that everyone is taking notice. And the crowd is shouting and shouting and shouting. And I wonder what Jesus was thinking. I don't know if you ever read your Bible like I do. But when I read them, I'm wondering what Jesus is thinking here. As this sound reverberates. As the words continue to just pulse. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I wonder if Jesus thinks that's exactly what I'm here to do. Think about this. Jesus in his own mind is saying, that's what I'm here to do. It means to save. Hosanna, to save. Hosanna, to save. Hosanna, to save. Jesus is riding by and they're literally saying, save, save, save. And Jesus, that's exactly what I'm here to do. Think about in his mind. In his mind, he's got to be saying how right you really are, but how little you really understand. See, that's what Easter's all about. That's what Palm Sunday is setting us up for. This whole week is all about showing us how right we really are to celebrate it. How right we really are to call him Savior. But it demonstrates to us how really little we understand. Without knowing the details, the crowd was clearly articulating exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus rode into town. People let loose this joyous, uninhibited praise. Like nothing could get in their way. Nothing would stand in the way. Nothing would calm them down. This crowd of people, probably from Jesus' home region of Galilee, this crowd of people's gathered and they're shouting and they're shouting and they're shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They begin to lay down things in front of him. Cloaks, and branches, palm leaves, coats, articles of clothing. They begin to lay it down in front of Jesus. And see, literally by spreading their cloaks, by spreading out their cloaks on the ground, what they were doing 
they were saying, this is our red carpet. This is our red carpet. This is our red carpet. They're literally rolling out the red carpet and see what a scene it had to be. You know why I think this was a big scene? Because the Pharisees come to Jesus and they said, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Look what they're doing. Rebuke them. Tell them to knock off this nonsense. This parade is getting too much. This noise is getting too much. It's disturbing the whole city. Everybody's come out. And they're all joining in. Jesus, make them stop. Jesus, stop this. And Jesus said, I tell you, if I tell them to keep quiet, all the stones are going to cry out. He says, it's either them praise me or the rocks praise me. See, I think about all of this because all of the creation of God is so amazing. I mean, we live in a world, God deserves praise, church. He deserves praise, and if people won't do it, his creation will cry out. The majestic mountains, the mighty oceans. They all scream forth the, his praise and his glory. The expansion of the stars of the universe and all of that literally expresses it. Even the psalmist says the stars sing praises. The psalmist says the stars. Now, how does the psalmist know that the stars make noise? He couldn't have. But our scientists have just discovered that they do. They've recorded the stars making music, making melody in the universe and the sound that they make. It's a wonderful thing. How could the psalmist know? Even the stars sing God's praise. The sun, the moon, the trees, the hills. They all praise God as the creator. We climbed this mountain in Nicaragua, this live volcano. Why would you do that? Because it's there, okay? It's chugging, blowing smoke. We, we, why? Because it's there. It's twin right next to it. It's dormant. It's dead. And they said, you can go. And it takes about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes to walk around the edge of the rim of that dormant volcano. And you can take this hike, but I want to warn you. It's dangerous, and if you're a little bit scared of heights, you probably won't want to do it. So we made it part way up, and you get to a platform where you're standing, where they, they literally look at you and say, now the rest of it's going to be tough. And so Lynette looks over at Tim, and she says, no, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. It's too high. And she looks at Tim, and she says, Tim, please don't let our kids die. It's hilarious. So the rest of us kind of venture out. So we take this hike, and I mean, some of it was about 18 inches wide, and if you fall, you don't stop till you get to the bottom. And it's a long way down. And so some of the kids are on their butts scooting around, you know, and all these kind of things. And we get to this one spot where we took a couple of pictures where you could literally see. There's another volcano that's live about 50 miles away is what they tell us. You stand on the edge of this cliff, literally on the edge of this dead volcano. And you can look, you can see 50 miles away. You could probably see further than that if it wasn't for the haze of the volcanoes. And one of the kids, I can't, was it Marky or Lexi? I don't know which one of you. Somebody looked at me. I don't know. Maybe it was Skyler. I, I can't remember. Somebody, one of them looked at me and said, look at this. How can anyone stand here and look at this and say that was all an accident? Yeah. 
I was like, Lord, even standing on a volcano, it praises you. Just the beauty of it, the glory of it, and everything that was there. See, Jesus is saying, look, if they don't praise me, you're all in trouble. The one, the, the, the one who's come to save is, is riding into Jerusalem on some little meaningless critter who's coming face to face with a cruel death at the hands of sinful man. Close your eyes. Close, do me this way. Close your eyes with me. I promise I'm not going to scare you. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine your street. Imagine your street. The one you live on. Picture what that street looks like, where you live, where the trees are, where the other houses are, where the people park their cars. Think about the traffic that goes down your street. Imagine yourself standing on the outside next to your street, very close to where you live. You got that picture? Keep your eyes closed. You got that picture? Now I want you to imagine that coming down your street, you spot a crowd of people. And in the middle of that crowd is a man riding a donkey. But you recognize that man. It's Jesus. And those people are laying down things in front of him. Your neighbors are rushing out to the curb to lay down things too. And before him, there's this, this carpet of things laid before him. Jesus is approaching where you are. He stays coming closer. He's riding closer right to where you are. He's going to pass you. He's coming close. What are you going to lay down? Look at me. This is the key question. Jesus came riding down your street. What would you lay down before him? Remember the mission is Hosanna. What would you lay down before him? See, Jesus' mission is to save. Come on, church. Hosanna. To save. He's on mission. Jesus is here to do it. Listen, Jesus will not fail at his mission. He said it is finished. Jesus hasn't failed at his mission. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus comes to save. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Our mission is to praise. See, Jesus comes to do Hosanna. We live to sing Hosanna. Oh, man, this is so good. See, our praise is essentially to give him a compliment. Now, don't, 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 I know it's light because I tried to erase this. I really did. I'm writing my sermon, and I just, a compliment. I know it's rude. It's kind of crude. It just doesn't meet up to praise, does it? Right? I mean, if I, if I come up to you and say, you know, Brian, hey, man, your job's to give, give Jesus a compliment. You're like, good job, Jesus. Got a boy, man. Way to go, Jesus. Kind of falls short, doesn't it? But it wouldn't leave me. It stayed there with me because, see, this idea of our job to praise is to do it publicly or privately. It's to do it in all kind of variety of ways: music, words, preaching, sharing, all these things, painting, um, crafts, of performing dance or drama, all these kind of things. Just about any kind of mode of communication can be used as a way to praise God. 
It's what we've been called to do. First Peter says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Part of our mission as followers of Jesus Christ is to sing Hosanna. So again, we need to ask ourselves, if Jesus is riding down your street, what would you lay down before him? To answer that, we've got to consider anything that stands in the way of our ability to praise him. Sure we do. You can't can't say what you'd lay down before him before you know what stands in your way to get there. Think about this. What kind of things inhibit your praise? What kind of things keep you from praising God? Is one of them pride? Is one of them pride? Now, I, I, want, I just want to be careful here because I don't want to put anybody off, but I, I want to show you this. Because, see, we may not want to admit it, but perhaps pride stands in the way of praise. Think about this. I'm not asking you to praise God like I do. I'm not asking you to do that. I, I really don't care. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if sometimes, though, we might overlook pride as it relates to praise, referring to it as temperament. We might say, well, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm not, I'm not as expressive as the people were on Palm Sunday. My temperament doesn't lend itself to be that kind of person as the first Palm Sunday. I'm, I'm a little too reserved from that. Let me, let me just challenge you this. Somebody was to write you a thousand or a million dollar check, you probably would throw off your reservation. If you got diagnosed with a terminally ill sickness, your doctor gives you six months to live, no way around it, and then you get prayer and God heals you, you're probably going to chunk off your reservation. Glory to God. Even Carlene can do the glory run. I prophesied it for years. There's a gentleman, an Italian guy, who... um, not so reserved. His name is Roberto uh, Beneghini, not Benoimi like our Lenny, but Beneghini is his name. And he's an Italian guy. He won an Oscar for a film called uh, Life is Beautiful. And I think he won the Oscar in, in 2000. Now, I don't watch the Academy Awards because I don't watch the Academy Awards, but um, I read about this because of, of, of his reaction. I read about it. Um, so, Roberto. Upon hearing his name called for this Academy Award, he leaped to his feet. Right there where he was sitting, he leaped to his feet, threw his hands in the air. And he didn't come down the aisle to the middle to come down to the stage. He crawled across the top of the chairs, skipped all that nonsense, just came right across the top of the chairs, got to the front so he could get on stage. He was so excited he couldn't believe what had just happened. He runs up on stage and he grabs a hold of the lady who announced it. Sophia Lauren was her name. And he squeezed her so tightly, about crushed her lungs. And and he's swirling her around. He's so excited. He began to ramble half in English, half in Italian. But this is what he said. He said, this being a moment in my life of colossal joy, I just want to kiss everybody and die in the ocean of this generosity. I like that guy. This same guy, in case you think that was just a one-off thing, this same guy, the first time he ever met the Pope, he kissed the Pope over and over and over, and he called him Babo, which means daddy in Italian. He gave the Pope a big old bear hug. 
He picked the Pope up and shook him and shook him and shook him and shook him and kissed him and kissed him and put him down. And, and he, when he put the Pope down, the Pope looked at him and he says, yep, you're very Italian. <laughs> See, Roberto would have fit right in on Palm Sunday. He'd have no problem throwing down his coat and waving his palm branches. There's another guy who won an Academy Award that night too. Right after Roberto got his. And his expression was no less honoring and gratitude. Even though it was a little less in demonstration because he was a reserved man. He came up and he received his reward and he looked at the crowd and he says, Inside, I feel just like Roberto. (laughs) The audience died laughing. That's temperament. There's a difference between temperament and pride. See, the second man was just as grateful, but he expressed it in a different way. See, praise to Jesus can be offered in all kind of, all kind of ways, just as sincerely by those who raise their hands or those who bounce up and down and, and do the little jig or those who bow their head in, great, in, in sincere reverence. I don't care how you praise Jesus. If you get close to me, you're just going to need to give me a little room. When we don't engage in praise, when we have the opportunity, we shrug it off as temperament or just being reserved, we're really kidding ourselves about Hosanna. Again, if Jesus, if Jesus came riding down your street, if it's pride standing in the way of your praise, would you be willing to lay it down? What about this one? What about fear? Perhaps... Fear stands in classic example, classic example of fear standing in the way of praise. And I don't like to beat up on him because I knew he loved the Lord. But a classic example of this is Peter. Yeah, come on. Peter is following Jesus from afar off after his arrest. He's lurking in the shadows. He's hiding and to see how things would turn around. And someone looks at him and said, Hey, hey, you were with the Nazarene. You know Jesus. You were with him, weren't you? And he says, This is the perfect chance for Peter to praise God. This is the perfect opportunity for him to stand up and cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in. This is the perfect chance for him to say this. He could have looked at the crowd and said, I sure was. I was with the Nazarene. Let me tell you about him. You want to know him? Let me tell you. I was with him when he healed a deaf man. I was with him when he grabbed a man who'd never walked before in his life and changed his feet where that man went leaping and running and bounding into the temple of God. I was with him when he touched a leper. No one else would touch him. And he healed leprosy. I was there when he caused the mute to speak. I was there. I was there over and over and over again. One time even I was standing in a boat and there was a storm and it was about to sink us. And I seen him stand on the bow of the boat and speak to those. I was there. I saw him and the storm just calmed. I was there. He could have shared it. Just last week, just last week I was with him. We stood at the tomb of a dead man four days dead. I was there. They rolled the stone away. The stench flew out of the grave. I was there. 
Jesus so lovingly and softly wiped the tears and the snot from his face and said, Lazarus, come forth. I was there when a dead man came out in burial rags and Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. He's the son of God and I follow him proudly. He's my Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But he didn't say that. For fear, he said, I don't know him. Within a few minutes, he denied Jesus two more times. He could have praised him, but he was afraid. And if Jesus rides down my street this afternoon, no fear stand in my way. I'm praising him. Would I be willing to lay it down? How about this? How about doubt? Hold, hold on with me. Give me five more minutes. You ever seen a bullfight? You ever, ever seen one? Like watched it all the way through? Now, it's a poor, poor illustration, okay? But it's the best I got. I remember the first time I saw a bullfight all the way through and realized exactly what it was. Much more than the matador in Olay. Right? It's much more than a red, tippy-toed guy in a girly outfit dancing around a bull. This will violate your Western mind a little bit. The bull always dies. The point of the whole thing is to kill the bull before the matador gets killed. Now that, that violates us enough because, oh, we go, oh, poor bull. Unless you've ever been in the fence with one charging at you, okay? Newsflash, bull dies. When the bull goes by the matador, not only does a red little flag go up, but he sticks him with a sword. That's the point. It's to stick him so many times, to put so many swords in him that he dies. If that doesn't violate you enough, if you've ever watched a crowd, you'll see thousands of people cheering. Every time the bull goes by, ole, yeah. Every time a spear goes in, everybody's cheering, yay. Every time the matador disemboweled, gets disemboweled by a horn, everybody's like, yay. If you've ever seen that, there's a lot of people watching and cheering. You might find yourself wondering, should I really be cheering or not? Because I really got some questions about this. Number one, it just ain't smart. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God gave everybody a little common sense. It just ain't smart. A gun works a lot better if you want a ribeye. We find ourselves watching, we go, yay. 
Mark one up. I don't know if I should be cheering or not. Some questions about this. Listen to this. Maybe some of you have got similar feelings when you're surrounded by people who are praising Jesus. Maybe, maybe you think, I know there's a lot of other people who are kind of really into this. I'm, I'm not really sure I should be applauding because i got some serious questions. I've got some serious questions. Come on. We need answers. Listen, it's tough to praise God when you got doubts. Come on, somebody. Don't fall asleep on me yet. It's tough to praise God when you got doubts. I know that. There's a novel that was written about a young man named Peter Fromm. And Peter was a young man who had this ambition to preach and, and, and to go and, and, and build the kingdom of God. And so he, he enrolled himself in the University of Chicago Divinity of Schools so he could get a, a degree in theology. And, and, and it was a, it's a very liberal theological college, which most theological colleges are. And very few of them actually leave people Christians anymore. He had this, this zeal to learn, to, to be able to go through this thing. And, and, and all of a sudden he found himself being taught by people whose faith in miracles had kind of faded away. He found himself being instructed by people who weren't so inspired by the scripture anymore. He found himself being instructed by teachers who weren't so sure about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Next Sunday you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to tell you how important, why it's important that Jesus was physically resurrected the book chronicles day after day how his faith was confronted by intellectual arguments that he'd never really considered and and almost certainly how his faith began to change and he became more of an academic at the end of the book he stands before a church in Chicago on Easter Sunday to preach a sermon no longer sure what he believes. And as he attempts to tell the congregation about the wonderful resurrection of Jesus Christ, something he's no longer of him, sure of himself, the inner battle between what he believes and what he's saying begins to overcome him emotionally and he suffers a mental breakdown right in the pulpit. So much so that physically they had to come and pick him up. Now that's an extreme case. Would you say Amen. But it just goes to show that doubts can really get in the way of praise. Even sometimes for those of us who want to praise God. But if Jesus comes riding down your street today, if it's doubt that's standing in your way, the ability to praise Him, would you at least be willing to consider laying it down? Because if you're willing, I'm certainly sure He's willing to help you with it. Maybe it's none of these things. Maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's uh, addictions. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's sadness, depression. Maybe, maybe it's discouragement. Maybe it's worries. Maybe all these things stand in the way of your praise. But if Jesus comes riding down your street, you've got to be willing to lay it down in front of him. Now let me share this with you. Every one of us are probably here today. I'm here today. Because I know that where he's going is better than where I'm at right now. 
that what he's offering is better than what I have right now. I'm here today because what he's asking is better than the agenda I have for my own life. So praise him, church. Don't be scared to cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalms 150 says, let everything that hath breath cry, Hosanna. When I consider the first, when I consider the first Palm Sunday, I, this thought came to me, and literally this morning, I get up at 4.30 like I always do to go back over my notes, to spend some time in prayer, just to say, Father, speak again. And I go through my notes, and, and it's about 4.45. I, I've read through my notes real quickly again, and, and, and it's just junk. In my mind, I'm thinking, God, these people are so much wor- more worthy than this. This is trash. And so I put those notes aside and I start to write a new sermon. 4.45 this morning. The donkey and God's plan. That was the title of it. So next Palm Sunday. No. And so I get done with this sermon. And it's about 6.30. We got my outline laid out there. And I'm like, great. This is good. And I look back over at this page of notes. I see this, this, this statement that everything that hath breath, praise God. And, and I thought about First Palm Sunday again. And, and I, wrote this, I, wrote, I wrote this next line here. Palm Sunday means something. When I consider the story, I'm struck by this thought. This is a thought. It's 6.30 this morning. I've, I've written, i got two sermons. I don't know what to do, God. They're not going to let me preach both. I felt the Spirit of God speak to me and say, a coat might not be worth much after a donkey walks on it. crowd so when they laid their coats down there's no guarantee they're getting it back for some reason I stayed focused right here and I, I really pressed into this thought because I don't really believe that people were really interested at the coats at the moment Jesus rode by See, when Jesus rides by you, I don't think you're going to be really interested in your pride. I don't think you, come on church, I don't think you're really going to be interested in your fear. I don't think you're going to be interested in your doubt. When Jesus is riding by. These people are very, very poor. And they weren't concerned about coats as much as they were concerned about praise. Oh, if I would, the church would get there on Palm Sunday, man. If we would stop being so concerned about all this nonsense and just cry, Hosanna! I'm in the basement and I just want to scream, Hosanna! 
So I wrote these next three lines and I said, I'm done, Lord. For the people on Palm Sunday praising Jesus, it cost them something. I say, it cost them something. Sounds a little bit like sacrifice. And the Bible speaks of the sacrifice of praise. I want you to stand with me in this place today. Fitting, isn't it? So fitting for someone who saved my life by sacrificing his own. This week is about Hosanna. I said, this week's about Hosanna. Listen, I know Friday's coming. I don't want you to be discouraged in despair. Right? Because so Sunday. Glory to God. This week's about Hosanna. This week's about crying out to the Lord. This week's about letting our praise being unhindered, uninhibited. Letting nothing hold us from throwing everything at Jesus' feet. Nothing is more important than my praise. To a God who is so worthy of it. Palm Sunday is important. Please don't ever overlook it. It's much more than branches. It's much more than songs. It's about mission. His and mine. It's about mission. His and mine. Jesus did his. Well, I do mine. Father, I'm going to pray for these good people. They're yours. We are yours, God. This week is a week that starts our thoughts towards a holiday, God, that the world has stolen from us. It's not theirs. It's ours. And I pray, God, that we would violently take it back with our praise. That we would not be drowned out by a religious crowd. That our places would not be taken by some inanimate object, God. But Lord, we would stand up and with, with everything that's in us, lay everything at your feet and cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Would you invade us this week with the power of your resurrection, Lord? Would you cause us to be living? Would you cause us to be full of your power, your joy, as we praise your name? For it's in the blessed name of Jesus Christ we pray today. And everyone said... Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand of praise and turn around and tell somebody, Hosanna!